Well, tonight's uh, a little bit different. We're, we're thinking uh, about the theme of, of shelter in the storm, really thinking about how we can support one another better through uh, the specific issues of depression and anxiety. So before we begin and sing, I want to just give a little bit of context of where tonight's sort of come from, um, just to tee it up, and then we'll sing together. We're going to hear a few interviews and testimonies later on in the service. We're going to open up the Bible together and have a look at three Bible verses and uh, have a chance to pray together at the end. But I pray that tonight will be helpful for information, but more than that will be a kind of night of ministry where we can really support each other in some of these things. And I'm aware just looking around the room, there are quite a few here who are hurting in very real ways with this specific issue. So particularly as we pray together, let's be sensitive to the needs around us and um, encourage people who are here tonight. I guess the genesis of tonight was um, the 48 hours of prayer that Jackie Birchall put together a little while ago. And I mentioned that a lot of people had written up on the kind of prayer tree she built a desire for the church to have more discussion and airtime to talk about these issues. Um, and so off the back of that, we had a bit of a forum um, in the hall next door about a month ago. And I was amazed that about 35 people came and we were talking and discussing together about some of these issues. Um, some people sharing their own story of struggling with depression and anxiety. Others talking about their desire to want to be more involved and understand those issues better. And so off the back of those two things, um, there's a desire to have tonight. And the purpose of tonight really is primarily to equip us as a church to be better at ministering to people who are struggling with depression and anxiety. Um, But I hope as well that some of the things that are shared will be helpful to you if that's an issue that you're battling with at the moment. I think we're seeing more and more on social media, aren't we, uh, speaking into these issues. People like Prince Harry have been very vocal over the last year or two. And that's sort of helping these discussions, and we're seeing more and more on social media. Um, But I think a lot more can be done, uh, particularly in the church. And yet the church is interesting, talking next door and hearing from people within this church talking about their experience. The church actually can be a very difficult place to struggle with depression and anxiety. And people have shared with me the, the, the sense of shame. I'm a Christian and I'm struggling in this way, and I feel shame in sharing that with others. Some have felt that it's not always a very safe place. Um, to be broken and hurting. They look around and say, it looks like everyone's sorted. I don't have a place here. And although that's we hope isn't true, it may be a genuine feeling of many, and we need to address that. I guess there's a general sort of stigma attached to things we don't know so much about, and maybe um, we aren't familiar ourselves with depression or anxiety, so it's very hard to know how to speak into these things, how to walk alongside people who are hurting. Then you've got the sort of whole issue of, of physical ill health and mental ill health and the treatments for two. And I guess the average person here would probably be a bit more familiar with treatments for physical ill health and perhaps a little bit less familiar with treatments for mental ill health. And so it can be difficult to engage with people who are struggling and you don't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, and so it's been interesting talking because those who are struggling have shared some really in- helpful insights. Those who want to support have shared some helpful insights of being honest, saying, I'm ignorant, I don't really know how to help. And so I hope tonight we'll begin to help with that a little bit. It's interesting as well, listening, that that, that some people have spoken who do suffer with depression and anxiety, have spoken about the fact that these illnesses can silence you. Um, They can silence you in church. You don't know uh, who to speak to. You don't know if there's any help. And some people describe anxiety and depression as the kind of silent killer. It can really eat away at at your lives, at family lives, at relationships. So this is a really important issue for us to talk about. And I don't want to pretend that tonight's a one-hit wonder. We'll come talk about this issue and and leave it there. But I hope that it will be a stimulus for us to continue these conversations in small groups and maybe more formally at times. Um, 
interesting as well, talking to parents and some of our young people, that um, there seems to be a proliferation of mental health issues amongst the young, and we'll hear a little bit more about that later on, but more and more young people saying that they're struggling with some of these things. And we need to know how to support parents in that and how to support young people in uh, many of the pressures that we're feeling in society at the moment. So that's just a little bit of context of, of what I hope tonight will be, and I pray that it will be a really good time. So let's come before the Lord in prayer. Let's ask for his help and his spirit to really minister to our hearts tonight, and for whatever reason it is that we're here. Let's pray together. Father God, as we gather as your people tonight, we acknowledge that you are the sovereign creator of all things. You created every atom in the cosmos. We read in Psalm 139, you knitted each of us together in our mother's womb. We're wonderfully and fearfully made. And Father, as our creator, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know the people, even sitting in this room tonight, for whom even being here is difficult. You know the pain and the loneliness that anxiety and depression can bring. You are the living God who knows the end from the beginning. You see everything. You capture every tear that is shed in the palm of your hand. And Lord, we acknowledge these things because as we consider our own frailties and the brokenness of our world, we need to acknowledge who you are. And we come to you tonight as the God of all comfort, the God of all wisdom, the God who promises to give his peace. And we pray that tonight would be helpful in informing our minds that we might better understand some of these issues. But more than that, I pray that your spirit would equip us as a church to be better at walking alongside those who suffer with depression and anxiety. That this can be a safe church where people can come wherever they're at and find healing and find peace and find wholeness again. So please, Lord, help us to help each other tonight as we listen, as we reflect, as we pray together later. May tonight honour you, and may tonight equip us and heal us and help us in the week ahead, I pray. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we've just sung those words, I will trust in you alone. And it can be so difficult to trust in you alone when we walk alongside people suffering with depression and anxiety. And it will be very difficult for some here who are suffering in that way at the moment to trust in you. And so I pray, Lord, that by the power of your spirit, you would help us to trust in you and you alone. Lord, it's an amazing thought to think even in this room tonight, you know exactly what's going on in each of our hearts. You know us better than we know ourselves. And as you minister to us tonight through the testimonies that are shared, through the experiences that are shared and as the Bible is shared too. We pray, Lord, that you would speak directly into our hearts, into our situations, that we might leave here being able to lie in bed tonight and remember those words, I will trust in you, in you alone. Please would you minister to us now, bless us, encourage us, strengthen us, and help us as we gather together. Amen. Amen. Great. Well, do take a seat. So tonight um, we're going to hear some little testimonies, some stories from various people in the church who in different ways have um, related to depression and anxiety. 
and I'm going to open up the Bible. Um, it's not going to be a normal kind of sermon, preaching through a passage. I'm going to look at three different verses that teach us three different things and just look at each very briefly. But the purpose tonight really is to let these verses be a springboard for you to think a bit more deeply. And there'll be some questions on the screen towards the end to give us a moment of quiet just to reflect ourselves. Um, but as we begin, I'd love to invite Nigel and David up to the front. Um, to share with us a perspective on depression and anxiety from a, a medical point of view. Um, so great to have you guys with us. I'll give you this um, lollipop and you can speak with that one. Um, so Dave's a, a GP working relatively locally. Um, Nigel's a clinical psychologist. And so I just ask these guys just to share briefly a little bit of, of their experience. So firstly, David, can you just tell us um, a little bit about your experience of the extent to which you're treating mental health as part of your kind of work as a GP? Okay, this is totally unprepared. Um, I think most people, when they come to see a doctor, are anxious to a greater or lesser degree. I think that's just the nature of the beast, whether it be just a routine checkup for your blood pressure, you're anxious to see, is it controlled? Um, and then you've got people who come with full-blown depression or anxiety or other mental health issues. Um, so every consultation um, has an element of that. Um, so the extent is everywhere I suppose you could say sometimes it's clear cut and some people don't present with obvious symptoms they might just say I'm losing weight or I'm losing my memory um, and they can't concentrate and it's only when you delve a bit deeper that you find that there's a mental health issue going on as the root cause sometimes it's hard to know if something's physical or mental and often you get, they go together so a lot of people with chronic disease um, rates of anxiety and depression are, are big also one in five if not more so you always have to bear that in mind and often that can be overlooked for people with chronic disease well I mean chronic disease I mean ongoing that might be heart disease or arthritis or lung disease or anything like that cool just to come to Nigel now as a, as a clinical psychologist Nigel tell us a, a little bit of your experience of just the complexity of some of these things um, so thinking about um, people who have significant difficulties with anxiety and depression, you can think, of, we um, psychologists will come to it and think it on kind of a number of different levels. Um, at its most basic level, we would be thinking um, about anxiety um, being a response to some threat or some perceived threat that hasn't gone away for the person. Um, we'd be thinking as depression as a response to a loss or a perceived loss that hasn't gone away. So that's the kind of the most basic level. Uh, and then psychologists would also be thinking about both anxiety and depression in terms of not just how it alters our feelings, but how it dramatically alters our thinking processes, how we behave, and also physically and um, what's going on in our bodies. Um, so, for example, somebody who has significant depression um, is, is likely to have very, very changed thoughts about themselves, um, often thoughts about how worthless they are as a person. Um, they will have changed thoughts about the world out there in terms of how the world responds to them. They will have changed thoughts about the future um, in terms of the future looking hopeless, that things aren't going to change and they can't change. Um, conversely, people with anxiety will have probably changed thoughts in terms of how, how much resource they have to overcome a threat or perceived threat. Um, and on top of that, there will be things that will change in terms of how the person reacts to the world as a result of that. And it will change them physically as a, as a result of those things. So that would be the next level of kind of complexity that we might think about, how those four things all interact with each other. 
And then at another level of complexity, we would then probably be thinking with the person about how them individually, um, what, what's made them maybe more vulnerable over time to um, having anxiety or depression difficulties. So what's their personal journey over life that may have made them more vulnerable and, and what's happened more recently that might have precipitated those kinds of difficulties. So a kind of a much more individualistic look at exactly for this person here and now what's going on for them. And then the next level of thinking, they would also be thinking about, well, actually, in a social context, um, what social support has this person got, and is that making a difference to um, how they're feeling? But also, on top of that, there may be things going on in wider society um, that are adding to the problem, so that would be the next level of complexity. Um, and then on top of that, we would also possibly be thinking about how much did this, um, this anxiety difficulty or this depression difficulty, how much does it seem to be a reaction, as it were, to ongoing events in the person's life, um, versus how much does it seem to be more to do with some very basic changes in brain chemistry. Um, and so that would be a kind of... Uh, a, a number of different ways and a number of different levels in terms of how we might kind of start to think mm. about somebody with anxiety or depression. Yeah, thank you. Come back to you, David. We've, we've got quite a few healthcare professionals in the church. Um, Deb Savage, I don't think, is here, but she's a clinical psychologist as well, um, so it might be helpful to talk to her if you know her. And we've got a lot of nurses and others, but can you just give us a, a bit of a sense of things that we can be praying for those of you in the medical profession? Because I guess we're, most of us will be aware um, NHS, etc., is under a lot of pressure. But specifically for you, and speaking on behalf of the other medics here, how can we better support and pray for you in your ministry and your work as a doctor? I think that's, that's, that's a good question. I think, uh, speaking of myself personally, I think I often just get into my medical training, and uh, whereas sometimes I think oh, I'm going to pray for every patient that walks in the door, you know, and because uh, I can do that, I get out of my chair, call the next patient, and I should be saying, Lord, you know, help you say the right things to that patient, that you know them, you love them. And I think often I forget that, and I just sort of work in my own strength. I would say for me personally, that's my, my needs to work on that. Um, and we just his work, you know, as he's been trained medically and not bringing in the spiritual into each consultation. Mm. Yeah. So if you believe in a God that speaks, then he can inspire you in what you speak, how you speak to that patient. Occasionally they'll come back and say, what you said was really great. You think, what did I say? You know, but who knows? That might have been God. Mm. Thank you. Uh, and Nigel, you've given us a bit of a flavour of the complexity of these things. So if, if someone's sitting here and they've never experienced depression or anxiety, um, they are aware of it around them in others and a very basic or non-medical um, level just want to be better equipped um, to walk alongside and help. Any particular advice from the perspective you'd have as a, a doctor? Uh, I suppose there'd be two things. There'd be one thing to kind of think about what not to do um, and I mean, it may be silly to say this, but I mean, lots of people who are anxious and depressed, somebody who knows them very well, a friend will have said at some point, um, just snap out of it. Why don't you cheer up? Um, and and as, as crass as it may sound, um, almost a lot, a lot of people will have had that said to them. And, that's, and if it was as simple as that, um, it would have happened a long time ago. This person would not be um, depressed or anxious in front of you. So, so there's some basic things in just in terms of just trying to make an imaginative step of, well, if I could imagine myself and all of my thoughts, all of my feelings, my behavior, my whole body is, is, is in a different place to where, it, where I normally function, um, and it's not as easy as just to say a few words and to sort it out. I think that's one thing. And I think the other thing probably alongside that is not to think, well, there's a quick fix that we can sort this necessarily. 
Um, so definitely if they haven't been to see their GP or something like that, that's, it's, it's a very helpful thing to do to help them to um, have the courage to go with them, um, to, to encourage them to do that. Um, so there would be the things that I would think of off the top of my head, but alongside that I would also think about um, that basic, what we would call in psychology, social support, in terms of how you can be alongside the person in practical ways. And no practical way would be going with it to the GP. A practical way would just be popping around um, and checking up and having a coffee and seeing whether the person um, felt well enough or wanted to do something they hadn't done already. Um, or it may just be an odd um, text or an odd phone call or something like that. But it's kind of, I suppose it's kind of walking alongside the person rather than thinking, um, I'm the person here that can quickly fix this. Um, they would be the things of us all head. But I suspect actually you'll get more insights from people who um, have actually experienced depression and anxiety and will tell you more practically what they would be looking for. Yeah, thank you. Thanks both very much. Just, I know it's a very brief sort of snapshot of some of your experiences, but thank you for those perspectives. That's super helpful. Um, I've got a, two very short testimonies here I'd like to read. Um, they're from a young man and a young lady in the church. They couldn't be here tonight, but really uh, wrote fairly extensively to me and wanted me to share little snapshots of their experience. One, the guy who's struggling uh, has struggled and does struggle with depression. Um, the young lady with ang- um, more anxiety. But they've written really well, and I just pulled out a few of the phrases which they spoke about because um, they were really heartfelt expressions of their description of these things, just to help you get your mind around some of these things. So the young man with depression said... Depression has always been heavy on my mind since I was young, but I never wanted to admit it to anyone. Interesting, isn't it? I realized I could not cope without a support network around me, and this left me contemplating suicide at times. just shows you the extent of how these issues can um, really get a grip of people. Um, And then the young lady who um, struggles with anxiety. We all know that this world is broken, but can you imagine suffering with a broken mind too? I just want you to know that I suffer from anxiety. I have for quite a few years now. I've always been a worrier as a child and now as a young adult. People often wonder why I make such a fuss and I don't want to do things, really simple things like just making a phone call. Well, that's anxiety for you. It's the fear of something awful happening. I have panic attacks sometimes too. I remember the first time I had one, I couldn't sleep because I was worried. And the frightening thing is I don't really know what I was worrying about. I had pains in my chest and arms. I couldn't breathe properly. And the worst of it is I felt ashamed, as I often didn't know why I experienced panic. I wish my brain just had a switch-off button. I'm learning to cope better now, and at times when I've prayed for peace, God has really answered my prayers. I can truly say I felt his true peace, and he's always there with me and with us, even in our brokenness and helplessness. That's very helpful, just perspective from two individuals um, who wanted to share but couldn't be here tonight. Um, and I'd love also to invite up um, Ollie and Jackie. Um, Ollie and Jackie have been helping me and others in the church as we've been thinking through some of these things. And they just want to share a little bit of their story uh, as they've struggled with some of these things. Just uh, I know there's a lot that could be said, but Jackie, come up first. I'll give you a nudge if you go on too long. Um, here's a microphone. Just, just um, share with us just a little bit of your perspective of, of the experience you've had of living with a kind of depressive illness in different times in your life, just to help those who perhaps aren't so familiar. Okay, well, at its worst, um, I took an overdose and ended up um, really ill in hospital. Um, I just 
didn't have any hope. I couldn't see a way forward. And I just... It puts you in a place where you don't want to be here. You don't necessarily want to die, but you don't want to be here. You can't cope anymore. So that's where I was. At its best, I'm a normal person. (laughs) Whatever that is, I can function. Coming to church is hard sometimes. Um, It's a church full of people, and you just feel like you're there on your own. And someone will ask you how you are, and you will say, fine. And you'll say, fine, because you just don't want to go into how you're actually feeling. Not that you think someone won't understand, but because you just can't be bothered. And it it makes you into a completely different person as well. It's like um, being two people. There's the person who can get up in the morning and function normally. And then there's the person that if they get out of bed, and that's the big joke, um, I'm out of bed and dressed. What more do you want? Well, that is um, an achievement if you can get out of bed and get dressed. Having a shower is a bonus. Can you, um, at different times when you've been in a really bad place, can you just give us a little snapshot of maybe the most helpful thing someone's done or not done or said or not said, and maybe the most unhelpful, just to give us a sense of what can be helpful and what is unhelpful? Um, unhelpful first, the, the person who said that I didn't need any medication, that if I prayed hard enough, I could rely on Christ to get me through that didn't help because <laughs> I do need medication and I, I can't see that person telling a diabetic that if they prayed hard enough they wouldn't need their insulin so that was the worst the best just somebody walking alongside me just holding my hand just being there when I need to cry and you know, propping me up and how has God uh, held you often through these difficult times? How has he continued to hold you? What's your experience been of his love and the peace that he gives despite the pain that you sometimes feel? Since I've become a serious Christian and really have faith in him, I've got hope. So even on, even on the worst day, I've got hope for a future. Before I became a Christian and I had depression... It was just there was no hope. But I have, even if it's just a small amount, and I have anybody who knows, I've got the number 57 tattooed on my arm because that is the psalm that carries me through. And I've got that, and it's with me always. All I have to do is look at my arm, and I realize that there is hope for the future. Yeah, thank you. That's really helpful. Thanks. Well, I know there's lots more that could be shared, so do um, pick, pick up with Jackie after. Ollie, come and join me here. Um, I know you've been very helpful to me in, in just... Um, sort of beating the drum of wanting us as a church to be better at having these sort of conversations. Just share a little bit of your conviction of why this sort of evening really matters to you, why you think it's important for us as a church to be talking like we are. Um, Just hold, yeah, and give a bit of your background as well for those. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, you know, I come to faith because I'm a recovered drug addict and alcoholic. Uh, one of the reasons taking, you know, drugs and drink was because I, you know, suffered with, suffered with depression and anxiety, so you know, I took drugs and I drank because I wanted to numb the pain and I felt that helped. Um, but you know, I've become a Christian and God seemed to remove that depression and anxiety. 
and see, you know, I didn't notice it. And then just before we got married, you know, me and Natalie, the anxiety and depression just suddenly come back. And I couldn't understand because I thought, well, I'm a Christian now. You know, why am I suffering like this? I couldn't leave the house, couldn't go to work. I'd be at the end of my bed, you know, crying in tears, just begging God to help me, to remove it. You know, I questioned whether God was there. I just couldn't understand. I spoke to people in church. They said, you don't need to feel depressed anymore. You know, you've got Jesus. Hand it over to Jesus. They were reading these verses, you know, give your hand over your anxieties to God as you know, understand him. So, you know, I was praying this and I was trying to do it, but I just couldn't hand over these anxieties. It was just there, you know, eating me away. And you know, some people said, I said about medication, they said, Christians don't need medication. You don't need to take uh, antidepressants. You know, you need to rely on God. It's because you're not walking with the Spirit. Um, there was <laughs> thank, thank you um, and, and just uh, you, you've talked to me a lot about why you really want this sort of an evening uh, conversation more support to be able to talk about these things why does it sort of matter to you uh, yeah so I was coming to church I didn't really have you know I was trying to look for help to see why I felt this way and it took me going to another church to say, you know, can I, is there someone that can help me? You know, like a Christian counsellor. And I saw this Christian counsellor. And I was then able to understand, you know, she gave me techniques to use to help with my anxiety. And I was sort of able to understand what anxiety was. And I was able to accept it. Um, and she just told me that, you know, it's normal for a Christian to suffer, suffer with anxiety or depression. So I think it was when she said that that I was then able to use sort of the tools that she'd given me to hand over my anxieties to God and to sort of apply them Bible verses. I think, you know, I met up with Mark and Neil and they were great at giving me the spiritual support and the prayer I needed. And I think the most important thing for all that was prayer. Um, But I think, yeah, I felt very lonely in the church and just felt that the church didn't know enough about anxiety or depression and it, I think when I asked, you know, some people for some help here, they just sort of, they didn't know what to say and they didn't know what to do. I said, are there any leaflets that I can look at and, you know, where can I go? But uh, everyone just sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, pray. I thought, I am praying, but it's not doing anything. Um, so I think it's just great now to see that, you know, the church are wanting to help people and to do something about it. Thank you. And just finally, what's your experience been of... Um, the faithfulness of God because you've had highs and lows how has God how can you testify to God's goodness um, through some of the things that have been really difficult in your life yes I think you know looking back so you know I, I never see it at the time but looking back you know God he delivered me from drug and alcohol addiction the only way out of that I saw was you know by killing myself I remember begging to my mum saying please I just want to die I can't carry on like this anymore but, you know, through prayer, God saved me from that. And before I got married, I was, you know, crying to Natalie, saying, I, I can't live like this. But God saved me from that. Um, you know, the most important, I just think the most important thing is prayer. Although, you know, he didn't just take away the anxiety at that time, I thought, you know, why can't he can take it away? He can do anything. 
But, you know, he didn't do that. And looking back, his plan is much better than mine. I think he showed me so much more through what I went through and through all the struggles. You know, seeing that Christian counsellor today, I'm able to cope with it much better. Yeah, I think God can do anything, and that's the way he's done it. So I just trust in him. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for being so honest and sharing. That's been really helpful. Um, great. Well, I want to just turn to three different scriptures just to let God speak into some of these issues and help us. So um, if you've got a Bible, do turn them up. Otherwise, I'm going to stick them up on the screen. Um, the first one's there on the screen, um, but it's helpful if you have the Bible in front of you just for the context. Uh, Proverbs 14 and just the first half of verse 10. Uh, these three little verses, I, I kind of want them to be a little bit like chucking three balls in the air and kind of catch one if you want, catch two, catch three, but grab hold of whatever's helpful for you. Um, but as I said, it's going to be really more of a, a springboard um, for you to do further thinking rather than kind of providing answers and, and solutions to some of these things. But the first uh, thing I'd love us just to grapple with and to reflect on and own a little bit is this truth that suffering is deeply personal. Um, I did a little series on the book of Proverbs. If you if you missed that and want to think a bit more about what the Proverbs are, how they work, you can get them online. And, and the first of that little series was sort of looking at uh, how Proverbs works. But I made the point back then that Proverbs really works as a, a book that helps us to seek to understand what it really means to be human and how to be wise as we live in a broken world. Uh, and as we read the Proverbs, we need to remember that they're general truths, not hard and fast rules. Because you often see one proverb that appears to contradict another, and they often work together. So the idea of the proverbs is often they are um, experiences, spoken or written experiences of individuals who are interpreting their own experiences of life. The proverbs are wise saying, this is what life was like for me, this is what I've learned. Um, And Proverbs 14 is uh, a proverb that's been spoken. And I think it's quite interesting, I don't know if you've ever come across this proverb, each heart knows its own bitterness. Uh, the Bible's really clear that human beings made in the image of God were made for community. We are not made to be isolated from one another. We're made for each other. And that's a really important thing. Christian life, and indeed all life, is meant to be lived in community. But I think there's still a sort of solitariness to all of our lives. There is a sense in which we do know ourselves better than other people, of course. And um, we're in our own thoughts often. Other people won't know what we're thinking. Uh, there's that amazing truth that we prayed at the beginning that God does know us better than we know ourselves. That's fairly mind-blowing, isn't it? Um, but we are fairly solitary as well as being communal beings. And often we'll be in our own thoughts and we'll have our own experiences. And I think this is where this proverb comes to life. Every heart knows its own bitterness. Everyone has a different experience of uh, suffering in life. And if you're particularly talking about an experience of depression or anxiety, the way that individuals respond to these things can be very, very different. Some really just want to talk it out. And people will talk about talking therapies, which really help them. Other people just want to curl up in the ball and not see or speak to anybody. Um, We all respond to these things very differently. I think it's also true, and we need to acknowledge, that no one person's experience of depression or anxiety will be the same. There's always a bit of a danger with kind of illness that if we've suffered with a depression and we meet someone who's suffered, we can almost speak a kind of trite line like, well, I know how you feel because I've been depressed. And at one level, that's kind of true and there can be a degree of empathy. But it's often pretty unhelpful to say, I know how you feel, because the reality is you don't. We never know how another person feels. Um, Maybe a more helpful phrase would be, I sense the real pain that you're experiencing right now. 
without sort of claiming I know how you feel. It's a bit more direct. Each heart knows its own bitterness. And I think it's because of the very personal nature of suffering and its implications. I think that has really big implications for both how we listen to people who are struggling and how we respond. So just take for a moment, you think about a person you know who might be struggling with these things. You think about wanting to walk alongside them. Because their suffering is very personal, you do need to think really intentionally about how you listen to them and how you respond to them. Because how you might help one individual will be very different to how you might help another. Um, How you've been helped in your depression at one part of your life might be very different to how you need to be helped now. And so as we try and journey alongside people who are struggling, let's not sort of take a, a, a formula out of a textbook and just plonk it onto a person who's struggling. Let's really think deeply about how we respond, the timing of it, Um, how we listen, because listening can be a very helpful thing, um, perhaps the most helpful thing. As you think about suffering being very personal, don't forget this amazing truth too, that the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ was deeply personal to him. Uh, Think of those wonderful words, but painful words he spoke in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Mark chapter 14, where he cries out, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. In that moment, nobody else in the world knew how the Lord Jesus Christ was feeling and what he was experiencing. His soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. The Lord Jesus Christ has suffered in an intensely personal way. And that's a degree of comfort, isn't it, to cling to. That as I suffer in a personal way, as you suffer in a personal way, we have a saviour who suffered in a very personal way too. And we have one who is not unfamiliar with suffering, but one who is familiar with it. Um, lots more that could be said on that. I'd love just to lob that ball up in the air and for you to think about. But let's let's try hard to be people who recognise that suffering is very personal, and not come with blanket solutions to fix issues. Uh, the second kind of ball I want to lob in the air for you to grab hold of is this one: suffering is painful. I wonder if you could turn up um, the book of Lamentations. Um, I wonder if someone could grab me a Bible, please, because I've just left mine somewhere and I need it right now. That'd be great. Thank you, Natalie. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 11. Um, Suffering is painful. Thank you so much. Cheers. Uh, think Lamentations, think uh, lament, think a kind of sad song. Lamentations written by Jeremiah. Some people nicknamed him the weeping prophet. Jeremiah uh, sits on the riverbanks of Jerusalem um, weeping at its destruction uh, and looking at how God's people have been destroyed, it seems, and God's city has been destroyed. And uh, just to give a bit of context in Lamentations, I'll just read the first three verses of chapter one. This sort of sets the context. How deserted lies the city once so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations. She was who was queen amongst the provinces has now become a slave. And this is speaking of the people of God. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. That's the context where the the weeping prophet Jeremiah is speaking. He's lamenting at the pain of the experience of his own heart and the heart of his people. Uh, If you jump through to verse 20. 
Uh, Jeremiah is speaking, I think he's also speaking uh, on behalf of his people who'd be expressing the same thing. See, Lord, how distressed I am. Suffering is painful. I am in torment within, and my heart, in my heart, I am disturbed. There's a, there's a deep sense in which this man, Jeremiah, is experiencing a very deep pain in his suffering. And then one final verse, if you jump through to chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, this is the experience of many of us, isn't it? My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think it's just full of kind of joyful exhortations and it is full of joyful exhortations but it's also full of laments and it's a wonderful place to go where we read other people who've experienced something similar to perhaps what we've experienced and we can cry as they have cried we can pray as they have prayed and we can cry out to God in our brokenness as they have cried out to God in their brokenness it's a wonderful rich tapestry of praise and lament particularly in the book of Psalms and there are some specific Psalms that will speak into this so If you've never really journeyed through the Psalms, uh, try and read through. There's 150 of them, and you'll be surprised at how many of them actually aren't songs of praise. But at least at the start are songs of lament. But wonderfully many end with praise as the psalmist is reflecting on God's goodness through their pain. I think it's been interesting hearing uh, some of the testimonies tonight. I think as Christians, sometimes we can be a bit too quick to dismiss other people's pain. And one or two have spoken of their own experience of that. Uh, We've heard it a few times. Interesting, they said it. I've got it written here. Uh, Christians ought to be joyful. Of course, it's true. But joy doesn't mean the absence of pain or the absence of suffering. I think we also need to recognize that one person's suffering may not seem to us to be that big a deal relative to something we have been through. But but just consider if you've been a parent or are a parent, when you've got a little two or three-year-old and they sit on their bed at night and they're worried and crying about something, probably to you what they're crying about is pretty trite. It's not that big a deal. But to the two or three-year-old, it's everything, isn't it? And so we, we, we don't want to dismiss a person's concerns or anxieties or struggling just because to us it doesn't seem that big a deal. Because... As we saw at the beginning, um, suffering is deeply personal. And what is a very big deal to someone is a very big deal to them, whether it's a big deal to us or not. I think it's also helpful to reflect that um, pain can lead to expressions of doubt. It's interesting, Ollie shared this, walking with the Lord for a few years and then gets to a place where his depression kicks in again, the anxiety kicks in and begins to doubt God in a very real way. Um, But here's something I'd love you to to grab hold of and never forget, because this has really helped me. Friends, sometimes words are spoken from the saw and not from the soul. Sometimes words are spoken from the saw and not from the soul. So in church, what can happen is you might see a very mature Christian who at that time is really, really struggling. And they're expressing maybe doubt in the existence of God. And you think, flip, they're having a crisis of faith. What am I going to do? Uh, you can even sometimes experience that if you talk to one of the pastors. You think, my goodness, if the pastor's struggling in their faith, what hope have I got? Which is a ridiculous thing to think. But sometimes words are spoken from the saw and not from the soul. And so rather than seeking to sort of correct a person's theology or worry, well, this person I've held up as this great sort of spiritual um, support to me is really struggling, words can be spoken from the saw, not from the soul. And actually, in the cold light of day, deep within that person, they do know the truths at that moment they're rejecting or struggling with. But they're just speaking out of the pain of their heart. And wisdom would say, let them do that and journey alongside them. 
As Christians, sometimes we can be really, really quick to want to correct a person or we get very, very worried when a mature Christian even um, has an expression of doubt in their faith. But every Christian will go through periods of doubt in their life and we need to be slow to correct people and quick to listen to people. Sometimes words are spoken from the saw, not from the soul. But notice too in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 11, Notice that this is a description of what God has allowed Jeremiah to experience. Jeremiah says, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. It's interesting to read that. It's in the Bible. This is a person saying, this is how it feels that God has treated me. He's mangled me. There's a kind of anger that's coming out of this writer. There's an expression of disappointment and frustration. Why would a good loving God allow me to go through this? it's a really hard truth isn't it to grapple with that a loving good God who has the power to end all pain allows us to suffer sometimes very very deeply and sometimes for very very long periods it's a hard truth there's not a quick answer to that there can be a longing for God to end anxiety depression I have prayed tearful prayers longing for God to help me in moments like this and I've prayed with other people in the same way, just yesterday praying with someone, crying, longing for anxiety to be taken from them and it's not going away. And it causes so much deep distress and pain. And that can lead to a real anger at God. God, you have the power to change this, to help me, but you're not. What are you doing? Have you abandoned me? Don't you love me? Have I done something wrong? Are you punishing me? And all this stuff comes out. We must remember that suffering is very painful and allow people to express that pain. Because it's not allowing a person to be human if we're simply seeking to address the pain and not allowing a person to express the pain. But also don't forget that the pain of our suffering reminds us of the brokenness of our world, doesn't it? It reminds us of sin. Rebellion against God is the root cause of all suffering in the world. And so actually, as you suffer with anxiety or depression, as you journey alongside someone who is in real pain in these things, Let that be a daily reminder to you of how desperate our world is. How desperately we need God. Uh, As the writer says, Lewis talks about God shouting to us in our pain. He's wanting to wake up a broken world. And every time that we experience pain ourselves or we journey with someone else who's experiencing pain, it should drive us to our knees to come to God and seek repentance in our own heart. But to cry out to him to have mercy on such a broken world. And so sometimes... Suffering can be helpful. It can be a grace of God to allow us to suffer, to remind us of where our rebellion of him takes us. That's a difficult truth to grapple with, but an important one nonetheless. So suffering is very personal. We've got to remember that and give people space to struggle as they do. Suffering is really painful. We've got to be careful as Christians not to jump to solutions or Uh, kind of trite theology too quickly there are theological truths that are important that need to be heard in the right context at the right time but particularly in the moment of pain most people will say that chucking a bible verse at me probably isn't the most helpful thing in that moment but maybe in time in the right way can be hugely helpful and then finally and i guess a little lighter and a bit more positively i'd love to take you to psalm 34 it's one of my favorite psalms this is my favorite verse and i use this i reckon on a daily basis in ministry I speak it to myself a lot too, but do look it up in, in uh, Psalm 34, verse 18. Don't you think there's wonderful comfort, depth, richness to these words? The Lord is close 
to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I'm, I'm just smiling at two or three of you because I've written that on a card to you. You know that over the last few months and given it to you. And I hope that you've kept that card and you continue to read it. This is a, a prayer prayed by David. He, David in the Psalms will lament and express anguish and pain. But here he's looking back perhaps over a period of his life and he's looking back and recalling God's goodness to him. And amazingly, in this one verse, he speaks of both God's greatness, but also, importantly, God's closeness. We've got to remember how big God is. We've sung about that tonight. We've prayed to a big God, and we need to remind each other of how big God is. But we must never forget how close God is, how much he cares about your individual struggles right now. And David is recalling God's closeness in this moment. But don't forget that when the Lord Jesus Christ was crushed on the cross, when he was broken, ultimately, what did that achieve? It achieved us access to God, didn't it? The cross brings us access to God. Let me read from uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance of faith. Just hear those words, let us draw near to God. That is impossible without the Lord Jesus himself being crushed and broken on the cross. Because we can't just draw near to a perfect holy God without going through Jesus. He's too perfect, he's too holy. We can't just approach God like that. But wonderfully... If we've trusted in Christ, it was because he was broken on the cross that we can. And so here where the writer of Hebrews says, let us draw near to God, that enables us to actually take hold of the truth of this psalm. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted because Christ gave us a way to come before God. That is why, friends, he is close to the brokenhearted. And that's a wonderful truth, isn't it? The fact that you and I have access to God at any time, whatever state we're in, to speak the words that are on our hearts, and he cares. I think it's suddenly true as we look back over different experiences of our lives that we will persevere better when we're close to God. We will, because of the truth of this psalm. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If we grow distant in our walk with the Lord, it often allows suffering to create bitterness within us. The root of bitterness often is a distancing from God. But the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And when we feel a long way from him, it's often because we've drifted, not because he's gone anywhere. That's worth remembering. And notice too, just look at the sentence order there. Notice that God draws close before he saves. When you read of God's salvation, he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The ultimate fulfillment of that is the world to come in heaven, where there'll be no more sickness, crying, mourning, or pain. That's an ultimate truth, a foundation stone that we cling to. But it casts a shadow back somewhat into our life, and there'll be moments, often regular moments, profound moments, where we've experienced being saved when we felt crushed in spirit. Ollie just spoke about it relief in that moment but there'll be more experiences of struggle in his life as indeed in all of our lives and we'll see God saving us in those moments but as he saves us it's not always ultimate delivery now it can be miraculously and wonderfully but we know ultimately he will ultimately save those who are crushed in spirit but it's first that he draws close to us and actually that's God's grace at work because 
If God didn't allow you to suffer, then you may not understand the depth of his love and the depth of how close he is. And actually, looking around this room and knowing a number of people who aren't here, people could speak of wonderful testimonies of how God has met us in pain and taught us wonderful things about himself that we had away learnt without him allowing us to go through bad times. So in our humanness, we're saying, God, take it away. In his wisdom, he's saying, I'm going to allow you to struggle. And I care because I'm going to teach you more about myself through it. And that's something we've got to grapple with. It's hard, but I think that's the testimony of many. As we've spoken of tonight, here's a great verse to kind of bank in your mind and use with people. Uh, Do proclaim this truth to people who are hurting, but proclaim it sensitively and wisely. Think about the timing of it. It doesn't mean the next moment you are introduced to someone who's suffering with depression, you whip out your great verse. It's a great verse, but perhaps whip out your verse and pray that verse for the person who's struggling before you give it to them. Thank God for that truth that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Well, well, there are uh, three little balls tossed in the air for you to grab hold of what you will. I know there's lots more that could be said. There's tons and tons of places in the scriptures where we could have gone to explore, but uh, less will be more. But I just want us to reflect on these things as individuals, as a church family, to keep journeying together and recognize that suffering is personal, uh, to acknowledge that suffering is painful, and to acknowledge, too, that suffering requires perseverance. And we thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ who promises to persevere alongside us, to never leave us or forsake us. And that's a glorious truth, isn't it? So just uh, for a few moments of quiet, just some reflection questions on the screen. Uh, I'm going to read them just for the sake of those who will listen uh, on the recording later. And then I'll give us a bit of space just to reflect. Uh, Consider your response to those around you who are hurting. Ask yourself, do I meet people where they're at without moving too quickly to a solution? Uh, Do I give people permission to struggle? Ask myself, am I a good listener? Do I seek to really understand them? And finally, am I committed to walking alongside people in pain? And do I stick at it when it's costly to me? I'm going to give us um, five minutes or so just to reflect on that. If you want to talk to people around you, then feel free. But let's just have some space to reflect on those questions as we think about our response to some of these issues. a few moments just wanted to uh, share with you a few thoughts we're having of how we can progress these conversations I mentioned this morning this um, training day that's happening here in the church Uh, this is actually fully booked but just up on the screen there for your prayers Um, something else I'd love to draw your attention to uh, this one here Um, I I came across this book uh, this year which um, very different to a lot of books I've read on suffering and particularly on these issues and uh, I thought this was utterly brilliant and then I I did some digging around and found out that they're doing a sort of tour um, speaking into the truths of this book and also um, some song and some sung music related to it the book's called Honesty Over Silence It's Okay Not To Be Okay I think it's a great title Um, because it really speaks into what we've looked at tonight, that there has often been a silence in church on these issues because people don't know how to respond to them, and that truth that actually it's okay not to be okay, and there's not many of us here who would probably say, I'm okay and I'm sorted. The reality is we're all pretty broken, so it's a great little book. I just want to read to you the contents just so you get a sense of it, but I'd really recommend this book. Um, Learning to let go is the first part. Letting go of the pretend smile. I'm a Christian, it's all okay. Isn't that wonderful? Letting go of anxiety, letting go of the clock, letting go of stigma, 
letting go of pain. Uh, letting go of perfection is a really good little chapter. That's often our perfectionism that drives us and makes us more anxious. And then the second half is learning to be, uh, learning to be in community, to actually journey on these things together, learning to be loved. I know in my mind I'm loved, but do I really experience and feel I'm loved? Um, there's a brilliant chapter, learning to be still. How many of you want to read a chapter on that? Uh, learning to be authentic. Uh, learning to be hopeful. I think it's a brilliant book. So I recommend the book. You're welcome to come and have a look at it. But uh, on the screen there is um, an invitation to this kind of tour that the writer um, and the lady who writes some music to go with it. Um, I'm going to be going to the one in St. Neots because I think that's the closest one on the 15th of March. Uh, if you're interested in coming, then we can uh, share lists, but perhaps uh, get in touch with me. Is there one closer? It's quite a long way away, isn't it? It doesn't matter. We'll have a road trip and have some fun. Um, I'm going, Steph's going, Ollie's going, so you can join us if you want. Um, but I can send you a link for where you can book a place for it. I think it's um, all of £2.50 to go, so it's not going to break the balance. But I just think this is great, and it, it just helps us with some of the things we've talked about tonight. So do engage with this little book. Um, we're also thinking about trying to put together a resources booklet um, to have in the church, rather like Ollie looked for when he first came here and it wasn't here, both to help people who might walk in with struggling with these things, where do I go, be some practical help, some medical help, um, also some spiritual help. If you've got particular thoughts of resources that have helped you in any of those ways, do ping them my way and we'll put them together and uh, collate them because we want that to be a really useful resource that we can develop over the next few uh, months. And there's also some sort of talk of a support group specifically for those who are struggling in this area. So again, do come and have a conversation about that if you want to be a part of that in any way. Um, but my prayer is that we can really continue these conversations and help each other um, and learn that it's okay not to be okay. Great. Well, I think what we'll do to close the service is rather than having a formal close, we'll just have a bit of time now where you can talk together, uh, where you can pray together. I think Rob's got a song. Uh, at the right moment, he might um, lead us in that. But let's just have some space now to reflect. I would encourage us maybe to use the first bit of this time to pray if we feel comfortable doing that, just with two or threes around us or in the quietness of our own heart. But let's take some of the things we've reflected on tonight. Let's lift them before the Lord in prayer. Uh, and then when you feel that you want to leave, please just feel free to slip away. There won't be a kind of formal end tonight. Um, we'll just use this time to bless each other. And I pray that tonight will have been useful as a bit of a springboard for, I hope, more discussions in this area. So let's, uh, let's turn to each other. Let's pray. Let's encourage each other. We might sing in a little while. And um, I pray you have a, a blessed and great week. Thank you.